Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each week I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. No super new news this week, but as a heads up of things to look forward to, uh, since I do have more listeners now than just my direct family, I'm going to be looking at setting up a Patreon account for the podcast to uh, really help support my ability to keep the podcast going, help it grow, and maybe keep it on a little bit more consistent of a schedule so I'm not doing things like getting the podcast released uh, two days late. Or at least two days later than what I planned. I don't really have a timeline for that, but I will let you know when that's ready to go and where to find it. Alright, so then with that, uh, here we are finally getting to this week's episode. For this week, we have a marine animal that looks like it is supposed to just be one single individual, but it is actually a colony of tiny animal clones. Bring on the Portuguese man-of-war. The Portuguese man-of-war is mostly found in tropical and subtropical waters. Since it does have a sail, it can be carried on the wind and has been seen in more northern areas of the oceans in the North Atlantic. They eat small fish, some pelagic crustaceans, so things like shrimp, and then other invertebrates that it encounters, things like squids and other boneless things. For an additional fun fact, due to the way they develop, they actually do have a handedness, like we have a left hand or a right handed tendency. Their tentacles and sails are asymmetrically aligned, so you can have a left handed or a right handed Portuguese man of war. And it's thought that the angle of the prevailing winds in the area that they are growing has at least a little bit to do with the left or right dominance determination. So the Portuguese man-of-war is a Nidarian, and I have talked a bit about Nidarians in an earlier podcast episode. I believe it was the one talking about nudibranchs stealing the nematocysts. But we're going to talk about them again in a, I think, a tiny bit more detail. Phylum Nidaria includes a wide variety of organisms, including jellies, sea anemones, hydrozoans, and corals, with over 11,000 species, uh, mostly occurring in saltwater, but there are a few freshwater species as well. You'll likely have some frame of reference for a mental image for most of these, but probably not hydrozoans. Hydrozoans are all predatory animals, and they can be either solitary or colonial, and they are really very diverse. In colonial species, the individual animals that make up the colony are called zooids, and it's not unusual for these zooids to not be able to survive outside of the colony as an individual organism. So how does this relate to the Portuguese man-o'-war? Most people looking at it would assume that it is a jelly or a jellyfish, uh, since it has all of those tentacles hanging down from what looks like the bell of a jellyfish, but it's actually a type of hydrozoan called a siphonophore. At least as of 2018, there are 175 species of siphonophore, and they're all planktonic colonial organisms with very specialized zooids, both in their function and in their morphology and how they look and are structured. For the Portuguese man-o'-war, all of their zooids are attached to their float, 
which keeps them floating right on the surface of the water, and this float is called the pneumatophore, and as mentioned, it has that sail on the top of the float. They do have some control over it. They have some musculature in there as well as by producing gases, so they can increase that pressure in the float to lift the sail to help them move along the wind, and if they are feeling threatened by predators, they can also decrease the pressure so they sink instead of being right on the surface. There are quite a few different types of zooids that they have, including zooids specifically for reproductive purposes, but different scientists, different people name and categorize all of the zooids differently. So for today, we're going to be talking about the two types of zooids that have to work together for hunting and feeding purposes, the gastrozoids and the tentacular palpins, which are also referred to as dactylozoids. The paper that I read looking at the manowar morphology seemed to prefer referring to them as tentacular palpins over dactylozoids, so for here, I am going to refer to them as tentacular palpins, but they are the same thing if you see them referred to as dactylozoids somewhere else, you know, in case you're ever just reading about Portuguese man-o'-war zooids on your own. So the gastrozoids are reasonably straightforward little zooids. These zooids are very specialized for feeding. They don't have tentacles, so they don't have any structures to catch prey themselves, they are essentially just a tiny mouth that needs the food brought to it, and then each Portuguese man-o'-war will have many gastrozoids. So then we have the tentacular palpins, which is where the Portuguese man-o'-war gets their length. Apparently we have a noisy blue jay outside. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but it's causing a bit of a ruckus out there. Uh, so anyways, hence the name, the tentacular palpin are the zooids that grow the tentacles, and they have the nematocysts for prey nabbing and killing, and also for defense. The tentacles can get pretty long, with some of them getting up to 160 feet, which is about 50 meters long, which, interestingly, is about as tall as the Arc de Triomphe in Paris, and that is courtesy of TheMeasureOfThings.com. The tentacles, uh, as I said, also have the nematocyst growing on them, which, again, if you remember from the podcast about nudibranchs, these are the stinging cells that nadarians use for stinging and uh, debilitating their prey and for delivering their, that venom to the prey. In the Portuguese man-of-war, their venom has neurotoxic, cytotoxic, and hemolytic properties, so it affects the nervous system causing paralysis in their fishy prey. Uh, it also kills cells and affects the blood. There are some cases of people being stung by the Portuguese man-of-war. Uh, when people come into contact with them when the man-of-war gets stranded, or maybe if they're swimming around um, a whole bunch of individuals. In people, the stings are very painful, with the pain lasting for a few hours, and they can cause welts or eczema-like skin reactions that can last days. The stings can also leave scars, and I actually know someone that has been stung by a Portuguese man-of-war, and they have some pretty good scarring because of it. In some cases, if the venom is able to get deeper into your body and into the lymph system, it can cause more of a systemic reaction like you might see in allergic reactions, 
but it can also bring on gastrointestinal symptoms, muscle cramping, and some neurologic symptoms as well, such as drowsiness or confusion. In very rare cases, a sting can result in the death of a person, but stings are very treatable and are generally not serious, so deaths are really not common. So, once the fish or the crustacean or other invertebrate is paralyzed, the tentacle brings the prey up towards the gastrozoids where they attach to the prey. The tentacles don't bring the prey to one specific gastrozoid. All of the gastrozoids are around the base of the float, so the fish is carried right up towards the base of the float, and the gastrozoids last on for digestion. There have been observed cases where up to 50 gastrozoids are covering one 10 centimeter fish, so this would be a fish about four inches in length. The gastrozoids release enzymes to start the digestion of the prey externally, but they do also digest internally with intracellular, intracellular digestion. With their pretty nasty venom, you may be wondering if the Portuguese man-o-war has any predators. And because the ocean is a wonderful and sometimes terrifying place, it does! The loggerhead sea turtle will eat the Portuguese man-o-war, as well as the ocean sunfish, uh, the mola mola. There are also some smaller predators too, such as the pelagic nudibranch, Glaucus atlanticus, the blue sea dragon, and this little guy specializes in eating the Portuguese man-o-war and is a notorious nematocyst klepto. And that brings us to what I have for you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and be sure to tune in to next week's episode, hopefully a little bit less late. Please rate and review on iTunes and Podbean if you're there as well. And you can also find me on Amazon Music and Audible. Keep an eye out for the upcoming Patreon page to help support the podcast. But in the meantime, you can share us with someone you know that could use more animal facts in their life, which is really everybody. If you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send it on in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com and it may make it into a future episode. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Strait. Intro music created by Kaylee Strait. Thank you for listening.